Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. Pricing Culture with Steve, and this is Gordon. We're very excited to be back. Yeah, I mean, Steve, where, where have you been? What have you been up to? Tell us what you're reading, watching, and all that stuff. Get yeah. Caught up. Yeah, so I apologize. I haven't been around, but our numbers are up, which I think might be because I wasn't around. So I apologize to all of you listeners <laughs> who thought I was gone, and Gordon was my replacement. Uh, yeah, so I had started a job at Texas Right to Life. I've been working a lot there, and the hours just weren't mixing well with Clint and Gordon's schedules in terms of recording. But I've been taking a bunch of different stuff. I've been reading a lot of books for work. My boss is great, and so she is really big into like self-improvement, it seems, and so like wanting to figure things out. So I've been reading a lot of like books on fundraising because that's what I do for them. I finished 33 Days uh, to Merciful Love a while ago. Gordon and I did that together, but I made my consecration to that. I wanted to start True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. I did not get to it. I got really busy, and then I figured I'll just start it for the next Marian feast because right. um, yeah. I wanted to be able to actually devote time to that. Other than that, I went to the opening of Avengers Infinity War, which is a little bit of foreshadowing for next week. So if you intend to watch that movie and you're an avid listener of our podcast, go watch it between now and then so that you don't have to have that big spoiler alert applied to you. But that is not what this podcast is about. So let me ask Gordon, what are you intaking in the media and what are we talking about today? Yeah, I actually am reading a book, which is like the first book I've read in a little bit, but it's called Adam Beloved. Mm-hmm. And it's basically this story of this priest who met this guy who was pretty much like wheelchair bound, but after his death realized that his life reflected Christ's. Mm-hmm. And so he just wrote this book based on his life to bring the story to, to life that we all share. Other than that, I watched this other movie on Netflix called Haunters, which goes over like Haunted House. Mm, that sounds fun. Some stuff like that, like the extreme Haunted House ones too. Yeah. Like the more mild, but it's all subpar, like people doing their own Haunted House type thing. Media, I forgot, because I've been so long since yeah. I've been on the podcast. 10 Cloverfield Lane, Gordon had told me, because I'd seen Cloverfield and I was like, it's kind of weird, but he was like, it's a part of this whole bigger universe and you should check it out. And 10 Cloverfield Lane is the best one. It's, yeah, it's a very, very good movie, actually. I might do a podcast on it. Who knows? I also went and saw a movie in theaters, first one in a while Mm. as well, which is what we talk about today. It's Isle of Dogs, and it is Wes Anderson. If you don't know what Isle of Dogs is, then it's the newest Wes Anderson film. And this is in theaters currently? Currently, right. Okay, so then, spoiler alert. Yeah. To all of our listeners who haven't seen Isle of Dogs. Yeah, but still, if you're one of those people who... Wants to see the movie and doesn't want it spoiled. My understanding is we're going over a little bit of the plot. So. Yeah, it's true. 
but it is I Love Dogs. It's a stop-motion film. Mm. Wes Anderson doesn't make just stop-motion. This is his second one. He really just makes very colorful, cliche hipster indie film. Is it like a claymation, or...? It's not claymation, because, like, Fantastic Mr. Fox had, like, fur. These dogs have fur, so it's sort of just stop-motion with small puppets. Okay, okay. Type just trying to get, like, an idea yeah. in my head of what's going yeah. on. It's funny because you would think kind of from the trailer it might be a children's movie, but with the story, it's like, no, not quite a children's movie, but we'll get into all that. So Isle of Dogs is a story that takes place in the near future of Japan. It's in a fictional dystopian city of Megasaki. The story begins in chapter format with prologue. So two of the dogs kind of like walk out and stand in front facing you talking to the audience and give you this background story that Megasaki became a primarily cat-centered domain by centuries-old grudge against a boy samurai who freed the dogs from the captivity of the oppressive warlord named Kobayashi. So basically you see the story, it's like old-time Japan once the samurai's around and you just see statues and idols of cats everywhere. They just adored cats and they banished dogs. And during this war, they're fighting dogs. This boy samurai came out and decapitated the leader, Kobayashi, to defend the dogs. Mm. And this generation of the Kobayashis, now, if, if they ever could have looked like dogs, now they definitely despise dogs. And this war against like people that like dogs because of this kid in the past, this samurai. Mm. Interesting. The ruling Kobayashi lineage has long waged war against man's best friend since then. And that brings us into now. So after the prologue, there's an on-screen disclaimer as well that pops up that says all human dialogue will be delivered without subtitles in the character's native languages. So since most of it takes part in Japan, you just hear Japanese throughout the movie. And sometimes it'll be translated through news reporters that are talking to the U.S. And you'll hear that. Sometimes there might be like small subtitles. It was really interesting and very like artsy form of like how you would hear mm. the translation. And then it says that all the dogs dialogue has been translated into American foreign English, which was just a quirky little fun little thing. So all the, all the dogs barks are translated in human. So they just speak English. Yeah. In modern times, there's now a raging canine flu. So it's kind of like bird flu that we exist now, but there's a canine flu epidemic and it's possible that it might start seeping into humans. Mm, okay. And so they're worried about what to do with that. They're, the scientists are quick and very close to a cure, but they haven't found a cure quite yet. So Kobayashi is about to pass a bill that would banish all the dogs to Trash Island, which is this massive heaping island just outside of Megasaki, and it's covered in trash. And he banishes one dog, and the story is told from, like I said, reports from the media, translation from radio, futuristic devices. And once the first dog is sent there, over time, a bunch of dogs keep getting sent there, but that's kind of where the story begins with this idea that dogs are now banished. There are people in this world that are pro-dog and people that are anti-dog. And there's this separation there as well as just, you know, I don't know if dogs' mm -hmm. lives matter. Like this whole idea. <laughs> so that's Target where I kind of get this, this first theme of separation. And the separation is through different things. History, it's through political power and through media. Okay. And this reminds me kind of the story of Babel, where we had the Tower of Babel mm -hmm. and the native there that were trying to build this tower because they knew the higher they built, closer they were to God. And actually, they were trying to be like God. Mm -hmm. And so what God did was banish all the people and scatter them far away and gave them different languages to speak so they could have back come together that way. 
right. the scattering of that way. And also this same idea of this separation of these dogs and of what's going on is you see Kobayashi, who's the ruling leader right now mm-hmm. in Nagasaki, is pushing this bill. And you see what's going on through the media and what's being told. But you also see in the background with Kobayashi, a lot of the ways he's doing it is improper and I guess illegal in a sense, but it's not what you're, what people are being told. Right. So deceitful false, yeah. false media. Yeah. So Take there's this. also this story of truth. And I, I've been thinking about, we've been reading the story of Acts right now. We've right. witnessed the passion. So this truth of like in our story, for me, I struggled with the truth of Jesus for a while. Mm-hmm. So this truth of like, is Jesus who he says he is? He keeps telling them, I'm here not just of who I am, but because I come from the Father. And people right. are fighting that truth. And now we're in Acts, where they're still standing for the crucifixion and the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And the Pharisee is still telling them to, like, shut up and to stop. Yeah, I think that that's interesting, you know, because when you say what is truth, I always immediately think of Pontius Pilate. So I think there's something just about us as humans that we want to know what is truth. You know, that's like a, like a fundamental human question of what is the truth. And I think that we're all a little bit of Pontius Pilate in that moment of, you know, what is truth? And I think that that really captured the human soul in a lot of ways. But the other thing too, that I think is really interesting, just hearing what you're saying about all of this. So you have them speaking their native language and there's no like subtitles. And so you're getting it as an audience from like this media source and like what other people are saying. And I'm wondering if you spoke Japanese, if like what the people are saying is actually what you're getting reported. And I, I, I wonder if that's like, because I know like in the movie Logan, if you spoke Spanish, like you understood what X-23 like said when she went off on her rant. And it didn't add anything specific, but it was like a little nod to, hey, this girl's going to speak Spanish. You know, if you don't speak Spanish, you're, we're not going to subtitle it for you. And it was, I looked it up and I found out. But I'm, I'm curious if there's like this different sentiment that's happening and then it's getting reported differently. It probably could. I would not yeah. put it past Wes Anderson to do something like that. Yeah, I just feel like I feel like I need to learn Japanese to watch this movie so I can see that. Right. Because um, I feel like that's a thing that's happening. Yeah. I, think I, didn't, that, ever, I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. I think it would be beautiful. Yeah, I really, I, I don't know. I, I don't know very much. Maybe not. But I really think that that's probably something that's happening. Yeah. No, it's totally possible. Also, on, on, to add on to this, this idea of like separation and like search for truth even if mm-hmm. people didn't know that they need to search for truth they're just taking this media and they're like yeah dogs need to be begun the dogs that have been put now on trash island now called the isle of dogs are separating themselves as well so you gotta imagine they're just banishing dogs onto this heap of trash but they're not like beating the dogs so the dogs are survival mode now back to like their instincts and it's basically this post-apocalyptic like hailscape out there for dogs. It almost seems like Mad Max style mm. on this island where there's clans of like four to five each and they're fighting for food. In different and packs of dogs. Yeah, different yeah. packs of dogs. So that's kind of like the background we have. And then our story begins. So the story really begins once Atari, who's this boy that we find out was adopted by Kobayashi, he flies a plane and crash lands into a the newly named Dog Island or the Isle of Dogs. And it's funny because when he crash landed, he like gets up and like the dogs kind of discover him and he has this huge chunk of metal sticking out of his head from the crash landing. And the dogs are like, we could pull it out and hope he doesn't bleed to death or like do something else. And he like wakes up and they freak out and he just like pulls it out and like blood comes Uh-oh. out. And I know, yeah, exactly. We were just like, whoa. And then he just like faints. And so he stole his helmet on. So they didn't know how to like get the helmet off thing. But once he did that, they took the helmet off. And then like when he comes to, you realize all the dogs did was put the piece of metal back in his head. So this whole movie, he's like walking around. With like this, a hunk of metal. A hunk of metal in his head to keep him from bleeding out. 
just a funny side thing. That's, that's a little that's a little bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> um, his dog Spots mm-hmm. was the first one banished to Trash Island, and he was adopted by Kobayashi. Yes. Is that why his dog was banned? Like that seems like scandalous that he had a dog if he was a Kobayashi. So he, Kobayashi was like his uncle. Okay. So he kind of was part of the family, but he wasn't. Okay. And when he got adopted they banished the dog they actually bought this dog it was kind of like his guard dog but as soon as kobayashi was now the political face to banish dogs i think to banish his own son's guard dog was like a political statement correct okay we don't find that out until later like you see that they banish this one dog and you don't know whose it is until kind of like yeah yeah, it starts Atari, atari comes into play and so his dog was banished and then he was quickly greeted by the main dog characters uh, you have rex king duke boss and chief and these people are voiced by your typical west Anderson people it would be like jeff goldblum brian cranston is the main character yeah. chief so like big kind of names there and they're the clan that try to help atari track down his lost dog chief is the only dog whose history before dog island was a stray on the streets all the other dogs had like owners so he's kind of against helping out atari just because he doesn't really enjoy humans or being owned, controlled, being told to sit. And so, you know, you have this one who's like, no, we shouldn't do it. But these dogs have this very like egalitarian view of equality. And mm-hmm. so they're always like, all right, well, let's take a vote on it. Everyone in favor of like helping the dog out, say aye. And you see them like all say aye, except Chief's like, no. But Chief still sticks around because he believes in this equality view as well. And so they're helping him out. The reason they start helping him out is because even though they're arguing they're like, should we, should we not? They're like, this is the first human owner mm-hmm. who's ever trekked out to, like, flown his way out to this island to even try to help us out. He's like, where are our owners? They haven't come to, like, look for us. So let's just help this boy find his dog. So they say that. They say he's the only owner that's flown out of Dog Island. And we see this story unfold, this adventure that becomes the possibility for redemption through mm-hmm. generosity, through sacrifice. And I see that theme of, like, discipleship living out a mission yeah okay of love that uh and then you also see this thing of that these dogs learn that there's a togetherness there's teamwork and that forming a family is like better in many ways than being this loner and you see this like chief even throughout the movie as the movie goes on and unfolds starts to change as he goes on this journey to help out atari Mm -hmm. and he starts to like really enjoy atari there's moments where they get separated and it's just atari and just chief and through that, you know, the boy wants to play fetch with Chief. And he's like, don't, don't tell me to fetch. And he throws it. He's like, fetch. And he's like, I'm not going to get it. And then he goes to get it. And he's like, I'm getting this because I feel sad for you, but not because you told me to fetch it. <laughs> and, but you can tell like Chief's kind of doing these things because he actually enjoys a human companion. Mm-hmm. He enjoys the love. And you can, I think the same thing goes for us. Like there's people yeah. you meet that like, no, leave me alone. I'm having a bad day. No. And then you sit down and you talk or you, you engage. We've talked about this before in previous podcasts, the people that are on the side of the streets wanting money mm-hmm. and you just roll the window up or ignore them. But if you just stopped and said, Hey, what's your story? Hey, yeah. how's your name? And you can see like that conversation and like the fact that there's like this other person mm-hmm. besides themselves now with them talking to them unfolds this whole other part of them you see like they light up they don't look like the same person on the side of the street now they look like this human yeah it's funny i was actually just down in galveston last week and a man came up to me and really it was just outside of the church so he asked me 
Um, he didn't ask me for money. He actually asked me just to, if, he, if I could buy him food. And I was like, yeah, man, let me go buy, you know, like I bought him a burrito, taqueria that was right there. But it was so funny because like I was just talking and I was like asking about him and, and just trying to have a conversation. But you could just tell like he kept like apologizing. He kept feeling like he was a burden because like I was taking time out of my day to talk to him. And I was like, dude, like that's not what this is. Like, you know, like and, and, and it, it kind of breaks my heart that sometimes that's how we treat people. You know, that we try to ostracize them like that. I think it's interesting when you speak of like family with dogs, because I forget where I saw this, but it was recently that, you know, that a lot of what we thought with like pack dynamics, like with like the alphas, they ended up actually not being how actual wolves and dogs like interact. Like the alpha is just like the dad. And the reason like that's the only one that breeds is because most of the other dogs are just his children. Like packs are actually families. They're not there's like a bunch of random dogs that are like wolves that got together and like there's one dominant it's just they they're families and i think that you know it's important because we were talking about that in dogs but i think the reason that dogs and like it's such a good illusion for humanity is because we're also family oriented communal creatures you know humans need others and you know i mean god himself is a trinity right i got himself as a communion of persons so we always need that community like we can never actually do it alone like even the most loner person the most lone wolf as they say right lone wolves die in nature <laughs> you know it's the same thing with humanity like we need others you know even cody who's like ah i don't need it like he still has his friends you know and you've seen like peewee herman's big adventure haven't okay there's a scene where i don't know it's that classic like mm -hmm. girl guy she's like why and he's like you don't want to be with me i'm a loner i'm a lone wolf i have just ruined your life and it's like he does that in the film and that's what you just reminded me of like after, yeah 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 but, but you hear this all the time and i think we struggle with it as a society yeah you know well, that even that but also i think now you hear, i'm like reminding like even though also the image as a society that like sometimes like a lone wolf can be like a tough guy. Mm -hmm. So it's also like a desirable thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a loner too. I think so. But I think that love stands contrary to a lot of these things. Because I would never claim that some of the saints and the martyrs were not tough people. You know, they were people of great love, which I think is the difference, right? You know, you, you see it very often where people are like, oh, like I want to be like this loner. Like, I don't want to love anyone. Like it's But like love is tough. <laughs> You know, but like it's a it's a thing that like we naturally need and desire. It, I, I had read an article way way long ago, and by way way long ago, I probably mean like two year two or three years ago. And it was really interesting because I think that you know sometimes people view friendships or relationships as like a utility, right? Of oh, like what can this person do for me, or what can I get from this, or you know. Um, and I think that's the wrong way to go about it. Basically, this article was talking about you know when we talk about relationships. We have to stop asking, like, what what about this person is good for me or do I like, you know, or what do they bring to it? And start focusing solely on, like, what am I bringing to this? Because, like, relationships aren't about what that person is doing for you. It's about how you're loving them. Um, and I thought that that was really interesting. A little off topic. No, I mean, but what I, I think it also say, ties in. What I was going to say is I think on this, I like this topic that we're on, is mm -hmm. that, you, like you said, love is tough. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we talked about, you know, helping out that person on the street a lot previous podcast the fear that's in like i know clint talked about being an introvert and may as well like that fear of like going up to do something like that yeah and all you're doing is like when you're doing that is loving and like that's tougher than being the loner and being like nah i'm just not gonna do that mm -hmm. and same with relationships like in in a relationship there's moments where you have to love them in the sense of like you know they're mad and like letting them be mad at you and you're not getting mad back mm -hmm. and that's tough yeah. and that's like that looks tough and that's, that's what love is, and that's the point. 
Yeah, and you know, just speaking on the same topic, it's difficult for me sometimes because so where I work um, is located in an area of Houston that's not exactly a, a good area. Actually, the road that like we're off of, like the main road right there, is I think like the highest number of prostitutes in all of Houston, which is really difficult for me because I want to be able to reach out and somehow, you know, explain to these women like this is not the only life for them and like offer them something else. There's also the risk of like me getting shot. <laughs> You know, because their pimp is not going to be happy that I'm trying to show them way out and they're around too. And it was difficult for me in a lot of that ways because I feel bad because I like they'll solicit you if you like make eye contact, you know. And so it's it's a challenge that I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, no, I understand. So the stop motion mm-hmm. portrayal of such a dystopia in this island full of filth and danger is kind of like ironic and silly in that sense. that it's, it seems mm-hmm. childish and he's like hitting these huge adult themes Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also really beautifully done one of my favorite parts of the film and one of my favorite parts of most Wes Anderson films is he plays on color so he's like very colorful and like contrasts color and like I think if you dive deeper probably the themes of color too but with this one also just like the small details so like there's like a scientist they're trying to find a cure and so these scientists like open up a vial that has a cure in it and like cotton comes out as like the smoke and like small things like that you're like oh that was clever because it's stop motion yeah. So that was like really fun throughout the entire film. Um, the rest of the movie plays out kind of revealing more character depth of the dogs, what's going on behind the scenes politically, truth to the rumors and gossips you hear being are being shed and brought to light. And there's also a fight back in Japan against and for the dogs. So the pro-dog team are kind of like these closet revolution types, mm-hmm. kind of like back in the 60s that are trying to fight against and so you see their story kind of unfold too all the while the main characters are traversing this island of trash and you know fun adventure dangers to help atari and i won't really go into the rest of the movie that's kind of where we're at but i'll go into the other themes i see and probably expand a little bit on those spoilers the first is one thing that i noticed right away with the separation of dogs these clans is that all the dogs were stripped of their titles on this island mm. like in the one pack we had we had house dogs and we had the stray dog, but some of the dogs, you know, were inside dogs. Some of the dogs are outside dogs. We have one dog that we we met along the way that was the mutt that he realizes he was kicked out of his family or whatever because he was the youngest. We had one girl dog that you hear rumors of earlier on, like mated with this other dog. And then Chief, the stray dog, runs into her and it's like, I heard this rumor. And she's like, that's not true. And he's like, oh, are you a show dog? Because she was like a show dog when like they could do tricks. And she's like, what does it matter here? And like once she mm-hmm. said that, I was like, oh, yeah, like they're all the same. They're all yeah. technically stray dogs on Trash Island. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Chief kind of kept saying every time they're like, oh, you're a stray. Or like, aren't you a stray or something? He's like, we're all strays here. We're all equal. They were brought down to equal level. Mm-hmm. And I just like that idea. Yeah. Of like, I think we do that in so many different ways um, as like, whether it's a hobby, like I'm an athlete, you're an artist. You know, we do that in school, like back in high school with cliques. But I think we also do that with, I'm Catholic, you're Baptist. You know, that idea too, labels. Yeah, it kind of actually, for me, that actually reminds me of Galatians 3, chapter 3, verse 28. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free person, there is not male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, right? This idea that despite all these backgrounds or these labels that we have, fundamentally we're all human. I mean, there's differences to be sure, like we all have our different things that complement each other, but that ultimately we are neither better or worse because of who we are. 
Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what I thought when I was watching the movie. And also just to see just the small moments where some of the dogs struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Like they still act like one way or the other, even though they have no reason to on this island, which I, you know, I would see all of us doing if we were like thrown into like something like that, we would still hold on to things we know. And even though that stuff doesn't matter. Um, right. And I, I remember, like, like I said, we're going through the Acts of the Apostles. I keep referring back to this, but I love the Acts. And like the first thing they did when that story opens is everyone sold their houses and stuff so they could like go and proclaim. And it's this idea of like not even just labels, but I think, like I said, with these dogs and how they're holding on to their past and who they are, like we hold on to the material stuff, which separates us from our relationship with Christ sometimes. Right, absolutely. And so going on, another theme kind of I pulled out was that, like I said, Chief is a stray. He doesn't really like growing mm -hmm. with Atari. He's afraid of becoming told what to do and of being owned. And we kind of find out a little bit why he he said he bites. He's like, I bite. And he doesn't really know why. So then there's a story that he got picked up one time. He's like, I wasn't always a stray. And they're like, oh, and they like want to hear who his owner was. And so he kind of explains that he was picked up from his family. And this their kid was like small, like six year old, just petting them. And as soon as he was petting him, he was like, I don't know why. Next thing you know, I was biting his arm, apparently too hard because there was like blood and he had like broken the bone and was immediately like sent back to the pound. And it's this fear, I think, of within him of he doesn't really know what like petting is or being touched or what love is. Going back to that idea of the loners, that his reaction is to bite. Mm. And I just think of this small part being a bite vices. It could, it could be fear in prayer, fear in proclaiming like we just fear in general like how we react to fear mm. i think what i've been learning lately myself in prayer is like embracing all those things and just you know it's it's humility and the humility of like just returning to god in in moments where you realize you're afraid of something or you yeah. just don't understand and saying god i'm afraid of this god i don't get this god i don't believe this or i don't know if you're real and like just those moments and just being honest and raw and humble in God so he can like stoop down and work in that. And you know, you would know this, like he comes down to the lowly. If we're honest and embrace that, he'll he'll stoop down and be like, yeah, it's okay, I love you. And I'm gonna pick you up and put you on this next step so you can keep walking up the stairs. Um, and then moving on, you see the importance and dangers of communication. So there's one of the dogs, I don't remember which one, Rex or something, who mm -hmm. keeps saying throughout the film, you know what they say about Chief, right? Or you know what they say? He's the one that passed the rumor about the, the one yeah. the dog mating. And so he keeps passing rumors. And you see, like I said, it's, you see the importance and the dangers of communication. So gossip. Yeah. You know, I don't think I need to explain more, but don't gossip. In the other sense, there's also this girl, Tracy, who is an American exchange student who is part of the pro dog unit and she's the one that's kind of voicing like every time everyone's like what should we do what should we do and she'll stand up she's like all right guys i know you guys don't like me because i'm american but here's what i gotta say i think this is going on and she keeps going off of these conspiracy theories and they're like can you prove it she's like no but i believe it everything she always says is like perfectly exactly what's going on behind the media so it's like this idea of like if she never stood up and said anything mm. even though these other pro dog people are still wanting to try to fight their way back they're they're like treading the water of how they can do it. Yeah. And so by her communication and voicing herself, like action starts to unfold and there's good that comes out of it. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple things I want to talk about um, based on some things you've been saying. 
Um, first off, I really like that with Tracy because, you know, we, first and foremost, I mean, we are a faith of action. You know, like it's not, I guess prayer is very, very powerful, but prayer is powerful because we believe God is a God of action, and we know that he will act. But we also have to realize that God often acts through us, right? And so it's not just enough to pray and be like, God, stop this. Like, pray, God, how is it that you want me to stop this and give me the graces to do this or to act in this way, right? I'm saying stop this because obviously we're talking about this and this particular thing. And I work in pro-life ministry, so I'm always thinking in that terms. But, well, not ministry. I work in a pro-life organization. So the other thing too is this fear, right? And I think it's funny that God constantly in scripture says like, do not be afraid, do not fear, do not be anxious. Because I think that's like so natural for us in our fallen state. And it's so contrary to who we are meant to be. And I think that fear does lead into other vices. And I think that fear leads into other things. Uh, I love my mother. She is a saint and no one is ever allowed to say anything bad about her without getting into some fisticuffs. But I will say that my mother, and, and we've talked about this, so I don't feel bad and she listens, so she'll probably get embarrassed. But, you know, when she gets like upset, like when she, like something hurts her, like somebody says something and, and she's saddened, her natural instinct is to get angry. And a lot of that goes back to her past, right? So she grew up in like a really bad neighborhood. Her mother passed away when she was very young. Um, and so that was very much like a defense mechanism for her. And we've talked about this a lot. But she gets like angry, like that's her first immediate reaction, right? Instead of, and, and, and we talk about it because it's what's so funny about that and why I know it's such a bad thing and even she recognizes it now, which is why I feel like I'm, we can talk about this, um, is when she's sad, what she wants is those people that she cares about to like be there for her, right? That she wants, like when you're sad, like you want to be comforted. But her knee-jerk reaction is to get angry and push those people away, which ends up becoming counterproductive to what she's actually wanting. And I think that's really interesting in this, right? And, you know, where he bites and he doesn't know why. Right. Because he's just afraid. Yeah. And that sometimes fear, fear of confronting ourselves or whatever it is, really hold us back. Because God is constantly calling us outside of our comfort zones. Because he's a God who works outside of comfort zones, right? He wants us to grow. He doesn't just come in and be like, okay... Here's your comfortable little zone. You know, he's like, okay, that's great. Now walk here. And then once you go there, your comfort zone expands. He's like, okay, now great. Now step outside again and again and again. And I also think now hearing you kind of speak on that more, like it also sheds light on the idea of we have to kind of try to understand others. Mm-hmm. So he bites, but it's not necessarily his fault. That's like his reaction. So like your mom might get angry, but you're like, okay, wait, no, something She's just sad about something. Maybe mm-hmm. if I dive into that, you know, I can fuse the anger. Mm-hmm. And so, like, people do things, and maybe it's like, why are you doing this? Why are you hurting me? Mm-hmm. Without, like, understanding what caused them to react that way. Maybe it's really not their fault. It's kind of just, like, a default right now on their reaction to fear or right. to sadness. And then this last theme I want to get into is just a cool one. I, the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I, and then I finally, as I was writing it down, got a whole bunch of themes. But this is the first one I saw, which really isn't something I can elaborate on. It's just a cool little thing. Is that on Trash Island were Aboriginal dogs. Mm. So there was actually this section, like far end of the island that no one ever kind of went to, that was the lab that they were testing um. for treatment. So you only ever hear rumors of these dogs from the dogs. And the rumors are that these dogs are cannibals. Um, you know, it's like, you know what they say about the Aboriginal dogs, right? They're like, no, what, what? And it's like cannibals. And the funniest thing with that part real quick is that 
that one dog keeps talking about rumors and the whole time you're like how's this dog know all this so by the by the end of the movie he says something like that he's like you ever heard about kibbles right yeah they went out of business and they're like wow oh, wow wow and then one of the dogs is like where do you hear all these rumors like who tells you and that was like exactly what i was thinking so <laughs> like where do you hear all this here <laughs> but yeah you hear that they're cannibals yeah you find out that when we finally f- meet with them in the film that they're Actually, the worst dog. They are, like I said, they've been tested on for the treatment of the canine flu. And so these dogs are missing limbs or hooked up to things to kind of keep them alive because they're, they've been pricked, pried, needled, you know, the kind of animal abuse testing. And so they're, they're the worst off on the island, but they're also the most knowledgeable about how to survive here. Um, so they're kind of like needed. And once one of the dogs finds them, he's like, don't eat me I heard like please don't eat me and they're like what and like I heard you're cannibals and they get kind of offended but I said we're not cannibals we did eat one dog because we had to he was our leader he was in a coma and if we didn't you know eat him we would not have this life now we wouldn't be alive and as soon as they said that that they had this leader that they were following and they ate of his flesh in order mm-hmm. to live I was like huh yeah, yeah, it's very Eucharistic, uh, and it's it's mentioned. Though we don't condone cannibalism. No, no. <laughs> they, they, so that's what he's saying. They weren't because the other thing they said, uh, he's like the dog that said that, like got mad, freed this dog from a cage, and then left. And this girl came up. She's like, no, that was his best friend, right? He loved him, mm-hmm. and that like just wasn't in for like instilling the cannibalism, but further instilled this like Jesus character. Yeah, of like her best friend, someone we loved. They wish they didn't have to. And the sacrifice. Of, but yeah. it was like the sacrifice. Mm, I like that. And outside of that, go see the film. It's awesome. And for my challenge, it's take time this week to do your own examines. Do a daily examine at the end of the day or examine with Ignatius. There's Ignatius examines that are ways to examine your life as you're living them morning to night and kind of find those moments in the day where you are maybe defaulting to reactions from fear or where you are not fully loving someone or you are lacking in prayer find where you are succeeding and properly listening and hearing god and how he's working your life and find where you might be missing it so i challenge you to do that daily this week but if not at least two times Mm -hmm. minimum try to do two times this week uh, before the next podcast and also like steve said can we go watch infinity wars anyways steve do you have any shout outs no, I don't have any uh, shout outs this week. Uh, not right now. Um, it's really good to be back, everyone. I, I do love doing this. I just, it's, it's been crazy. It's been hectic. But thank you all so much. Thank you for joining us for the adventure one more week. And please, 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 please tell all your friends about us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Um, subscribe. If you're not subscribed, please email, text, Facebook message, direct message on Twitter. Contact us. Let us know what media you're intaking. Uh, Let us know what sort of things you enjoy. Let us know what you would like us to talk about at some point. You know, if there's a movie, um, a song, a musical, a show, any sort of media, a book. It'd be great if we heard some books because we haven't done really a book review or or a book podcast yet so just anything you guys think would be great let us know we will watch or read or listen to whatever it is and then we will will be on here and we'll talk about it in that way i guess a shout out to nick seckford because he's pretty much the only one who's given us an idea or ideas and we're working on them so also shout out talking about nick seckford his 
wife, Danny, has also given us our own challenge. Mm. And so that is something we'll be working on because she's got plenty of ideas. We've got a ton of feedback. Also, on top of this, we are this month going to double how many listens we've had ever in any month. So just thank you guys for listening and spreading the word and sharing our videos. Uh, yeah, keep checking us out. Keep talking about us. Keep sending in ideas and challenges. Thanks yeah. for joining us on the venture. Thank you.